Welcome to the Equine Connection Podcast, where health, nutrition, and love for the horse come together. This podcast is brought to you by Tribute Superior Equine Nutrition. I'm Dr. Chris Mortensen. And I'm Dr. Nicole Rambo. Hey, Nicole. How you doing? Doing good? I am doing well. Excited to talk a little bit more about hay. We kind of just scratched the surface last week. I know, I know. And and hay is the most important thing of any equine diet, right? Besides, I always say water, though. I don't know. Do you agree with that? Yeah, (laughs) I mean, I guess you cannot survive without water. Uh, But (laughs) fair enough. Water, then hay. We could go with that. Okay. I know. Whenever I teach it, people are like, it's not a nutrient. I'm like, yeah, you'll die if you don't have it. (laughs) Your horse will die if they don't have it. So, But yeah, hay is very important. And and today, that's what we're going to be talking about. Hey, but why is hay sometimes just not enough? Like, this is my question for you. Okay, wild horses tend to do fine. The, the ones that I've studied in the past, they're a little skinny. They're, they're on the skinny side, generally, especially out west in Nevada and parts of the hills of California when I saw them. But I go and I watch these, these channels on Animal Planet, and I see zebras running across the plains. They're equids. They look fine body condition wise. They, they don't look skinny. They're just eating probably poor quality roughage. So how can they can survive just fine on eating grass and some legumes, you know, what we call hay when we cut it. Um, but our horses tend not to do well when it's just a hay only diet. So I think you hit on the perfect thing is that those horses survive. They don't yeah. necessarily thrive on a hay only diet. Very good. Very good. The expectations are completely different. If you look at the average age of those herds, it's much younger life expectancy than horses in confinement. And we've bred horses very selectively for multiple generations to look nothing like horses in the wild. So from that perspective, yes, a horse is a horse, but because of that genetic selection that we've done, we've definitely diverted from the horse that lives in the wild. So all of those things combined are the reason why hay is just not enough. There are some, hay is of course incredibly important, but there are some key nutrients that even the best quality hay is just not gonna supply in great enough quantity for a horse to thrive. They may survive even for a long period of time until they're challenged in some way and their nutrient cup, if you think about it, is depleted because they haven't been receiving those nutrients that aren't in hay in great enough quantity. And then they're less likely to be able to recover as quickly or be more significantly impacted by some outside challenge, whether that be an illness, stress, something like that. So from that perspective, I don't think it's just about surviving. It's more mm-hmm. about thriving. And that's what that's our good. goal is. Yeah. No, it's true. It's true. That's, you know, when you said being challenged, the first thing that came to my mind, it wasn't like, oh, let's go for a ride or let's go compete somewhere. It was an illness, right? Because is it possible? I mean, even I'm trying to wonder where on earth you could be that a horse can survive on pasture and could get all of its nutrients met, meaning no mineral deficient soils, everything's perfect, perfect conditions. Could they survive? Survive, yes. Thrive, thrive, thrive. thrive, sorry, thrive, thrive, yeah. I have yet to see, I see a lot of forage tests. I'm not saying there isn't like some magical latitude and longitude that grows perfect (laughs) forage all year round. Everything. Right? I'm not saying that doesn't exist, but I have yet to see out of the thousands of forage analyses that I see every year, 
a forage that would completely fill all of the horse's needs, yeah. even if they don't have a job, even if all they do is hang out in the pasture, there are still key nutrients that are missing. So if someone discovers that place, go ahead and market <laughs> it towards horse people. Cause that makes that property way more valuable. It's very true. Very true. Yeah. I was just thinking, cause you know, it depends any grass, legume, anything, there's probably some nutrient in there that's missing or a mm-hmm. class of nutrients or something. And you, you, you did say something key too year round, right? Yes. Like, yep. There you know, are times really great pasture could probably get close, but there's a small window when pasture is going to be that productive and that nutrient dense. Right. Well, okay. So switching gears a little bit, what are some of the important nutrients we actually get from hay? What are some of the things that a horse is actually getting with it to meet those requirements? Sure. So the biggest one isn't actually a nutrient, right? It's fiber. The horse Mm -hmm. is designed to digest fiber and they need fiber for their digestive system to function. So you can think about that as a category that's covered by pasture or hay. And then after that, it's calories. So energy, it's the bulk of the calories in most horses' diets come from their forage, unless we're maybe talking about a racehorse who has such astronomical energetic needs that we have to feed a lot of concentrate. But outside that, huge source of calories. And then things like our macro minerals, protein. So a lot of the protein in their diet, but not all of our essential amino acids come from our forage. Calcium and phosphorus, a lot of that comes from there. During certain times of the year, a lot of their vitamin needs can be met by fresh pasture, not going to be met by hay because those aren't very stable. So it, it varies a little bit, but I would say really the biggest one is fiber and a source of energy in the horse's diet. And then after that, there are things we have to fill in the gaps, either part of the year or all of the year. Right. And when you talk about fiber, I know I always used to teach about or talk about scratch factor. Can you kind of explain the importance of that? You know, is, is there any research that supports that? Or is it just one of those things that people say, oh, it, it, that's just important for gut health? So you can kind of think about two things with long stem fiber. The first is the actual act of eating. Long stem fiber requires more chewing. When a horse chews, it produces more saliva. That's the horse's natural buffering system for the stomach. So there's 8 million buffers out there on the market. We could feed more hay and take advantage of the natural buffering system. But then actually the hindgut of the horse does need long stem fiber to stimulate it. And part of that is the scratch factor is actually against the wall of the hindgut of the horse. It actually helps develop that in your young horse. And so that's where your absorption occurs. If you have more scratch factor, you actually have more development of the cecum and large colon of the horse. Maybe not a ton of research here in horses, but if we kind of hop over and look at the ruminant nutrition research, so Mm -hmm, a cow mm -hmm, was a horse, but backwards, there's a mm -hmm, ton mm -hmm. of really in-depth research on how that long stem forage impacts the development of what would be the equivalent of the horse's hindgut in a cow. Ah, that's uh, no, that's brilliant. That, that's a brilliant explanation, and and why we always stress hay. Hay is so important to the horse's health. It just is. It just is. Yeah, and in addition to their digestive health, it's important for them psychologically. A horse was designed to eat for many, many hours a day. If they're not eating, they're probably doing something else to get themselves in trouble, and that's when they develop some of those bad habits: stall walking, weaving, cribbing. It that can contrib- contribute to it because they're designed to be eating. So there's a lot of reasons that hay is super important in a horse's diet. Oh yeah. I mean, we, back in the day, I did a behavioral observation study in horses and and zebras and wild asses actually. 
and horses. Yeah. I think it was like 70% of the day. Just it, when you do behavior studies in, in hoofstock, it's the most boring thing on earth. I'll, I'll just be honest because all they do all day is graze, graze <laughs> and graze. And you're like, just do something different. Show some affiliative behavior or love or hate to your enemy who just anything, but they just eat all day. You know, that's what they're designed to do. So yeah, that's a great point. And my next question was, so where do commercial feeds come in as far as what nutrients generally are they providing to the horse that they're not getting in the hay? So we can kind of separate this into commercial feeds for easy keepers and commercial feeds for hard keepers. That's kind of oversimplifying it because hard keepers can mean a lot of things, but for this purpose, it helps. So an easy keeper, you can think of as a horse who's going to maintain its body condition on forage alone. So that horse that you say, well, do I have to feed it something else? Because its weight looks good. But for those horses, there's still key amino acids, trace minerals, and vitamins that just aren't in that forage in enough quantity. So that's what a commercial feed is doing. It's filling in the gaps of forage. For your easy keeper, that's just basic nutrients. So we look at those ration balancers because they're highly concentrated in nutrients, but low in calories. Those horses don't need calories. They got plenty from the forage. For our harder keepers, we're filling in those same nutrient needs plus additional energy. So they're either have a higher metabolism or they're doing a harder working job. So they're expending more calories. So we're going to be giving them those nutrients that are lacking in the hay, plus some additional energy to support their needs to maintain body condition. There are some horses that you could not put enough hay in front of them for them to maintain an acceptable level of body condition. So for that reason, you need to fill in additional gaps, but it's always comes down to fill in what the forage isn't providing nutrients. And then sometimes it's energy as well. And there's such a diverse range of horses too. And I, I guess one of my questions was, you know, two of the the categories, I think people are, have trouble deciding like what to feed and how much to feed is generally aged horses and growing horses, right? Like, so how would you attack that? Like where you come in with commercial feeds on, you know, I guess we can start with the young, the youngsters mm-hmm. and then go up to the aged. Sure. So starting with our youngsters, again, we can break them into this concept of easy keepers and harder keepers. Mm-hmm. You know, there are a lot of growth feeds and that's, what's appropriate for our growing horses who need both nutrients and calories. If you look at those growth feeds compared to the adult version of them, they are more concentrated in nutrients, amino acids, some of our trace minerals, There's been a lot of work since the NRC came out to show that that lowest level of copper and zinc, for example, isn't enough for the growing horse. So if you compare them side by side, they're more concentrated in nutrients. But what if you do if you have an easier keeping type of growing horse that it tells me I have to feed X pounds of a growth feed Mm -hmm. per day. I can't feed that or he'd be too fat, which is not good for his development Mm -hmm. either. Mm -hmm. That's where ration balancers come in as well. We'd feed them at a little higher rate than we'd feed to the adult horse because you need that concentration of nutrients. But ultimately for our growing horses, we're either looking at a ration balancer or a feed specifically developed to support growth because they do have a little bit higher micronutrient need during their growing years. Yeah, no, they, I mean, it's tricky. They're, they're a tricky one to feed. And then going to the aged horses because their nutrients and, and requirements. And again, we always come up with new ideas for a podcast talking about aged horses because they're such a special category. 
But what are some of the, I guess, brief considerations somebody should think about when feeding them yeah. a commercial feed? So the big thing to realize is there's no specific age a horse needs to go on a senior feed. It's not like they turn 19, we must change them. It's very individual specific if we think about the physiological process of age. There are some horses who are old horses at 19. Their horses go into the Olympics at 19 and they're in the prime of their life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But some general things that happen as horses age there's more wear on their teeth. You wrote a great article just talking about dental care that we posted on our Facebook page not too long ago. So we do have extra considerations there. They can't break down hay as well as their teeth age. So what ends up happening is they get less energy from it because there's not as much mechanical breakdown. And there's some interesting changes. They're endogenous enzymes. So the enzymes that are naturally in their digestive system, they slowly produce less and less as they age. So their body can't chop up those nutrients into the little pieces that are needed to be absorbed. So for that reason, as horses age, kind of our considerations are, are they getting enough fiber in their diet? If they can't get it from hay anymore, or they're decreasing the amount, even if they can still chew the hay without quitting, we want to provide it in our feed. And we want quality sources of fiber, so highly digestible fiber. And then also some micronutrient needs as well need to be addressed because they're not breaking down and absorbing them quite as readily as they age. So from that perspective, again, are you feeding the minimum? Are they getting enough fiber in their diet? Have you picked the right senior feed? And that's an interesting thing because not all senior feeds are exactly the same. You know, in our line, we have the seniority feeds. They're 6% fat. They're low calorie. They're meant to be fed when horses really can't consume enough adequate forage anymore. If you put your hard keep around that, you are going to be very sorely disappointed yes. in tribute. <laughs> Yeah, However, sense. if you put them on senior sport, which is 10% fat, you'd get all that good fiber and nutrients plus additional fat. So senior feeds, not just a senior feed, but broadly speaking, micronutrients plus providing good quality fiber in their diet. A senior feed is roughly anything with 15% or more crude fiber. I like my true senior feeds to be more like 18 or 20%. And on top of that, it has to be good sources of digestible fiber. So we look for things like beet pulp, dehydrated alfalfa meal, soy hulls. Those are all good sources of fiber. Uh, sweet potatoes are one in the wholesome mm -hmm, blends mm -hmm. line that's a little bit unique. Mm -hmm. Great source of fiber. You want to avoid things that say processed forage byproducts because it could be things like oat hulls, rice hulls, peanut hulls, all basically indigestible to the horse but it does increase the crude fiber value on that tag. So it's not only providing enough fiber, but making sure it's something the horse can actually digest. Yeah. Quality in ingredients. I mean, that, that's a big thing with, with quality feeds. That's why, you know, tribute does that and, you know, other product lines. So that, I mean, and that's a great way to, again, answer the question why hay isn't enough. And I think the, the it's worth repeating in, in this podcast. And I know last week we talked about, exercise, the different classifications for exercise. But I think those horses that are under light, moderate, or heavy activity need more than just hay, right? So I guess just quickly, could you repeat what light, moderate, or heavy activity is? Yeah, absolutely. So these are, again, based on NRC-defined measures. But your light amount of work is one to three hours per week. They're mostly walking. So think recreational, light trail riding, not extreme trail riding. I went on one of those once. I was terrified. <laughs> that is a lot <laughs> yes. more work. Yes, um, yes. Maybe up-down lessons, something more basic where the horse isn't really working very hard. When you get into moderate work, these are three to five hours per week 
about half of it's going to be trotting, some cantering, a little bit of lower level skill work. I think jumping, maybe running barrels, but not at like a super high level, stuff like that. And then when you get into your more intense levels of work, you're four to five hours per week, 50% trot, a little bit greater canter, and then more skill work. And then intense is you're talking about like you're a racehorse or you're an elite three-day eventer who's expending a lot of energy. So as horses work harder, their energy requirements do increase and some other micronutrient needs do as well. So, you know, you're looking at multiple things increasing there. So Chris, one other thing I wanted to bring up talking about when hay isn't enough is maybe you're providing enough hay, but the quality isn't great. And Mm -hmm. even though we'd love to all have good quality hay all the time, sometimes the weather just doesn't cooperate. The market's really tough and you might have some hay in your barn that you're not super proud of. Like it's a little bit stemmy or maybe a lot of bit stemmy. The horses don't love it. What can end up happening is even though you're maybe providing enough hay in pounds per day, the actual digestibility of that fiber has gone down. The stemmier it is, the more mature the hay is, the less digestible it is. So we can see horses lose weight. Another interesting thing is lignin goes up in the diet. It actually can bind other nutrients. So some of our trace minerals like copper and zinc get bound up by that more mature hay. So they're less digestible. So one of the things you can think about filling in an extra gap when our hay isn't as great, we look at one of those higher quality, high crude fiber products to kind of give some good digestible fiber in the diet to limp along that lower quality hay. So you're still providing them hay. They're keeping busy, but we realize to keep that hind gut really healthy, they need a good quality fiber source. And that's where something like Calm and Easy or Senior Sport are really helpful. Even if your horse isn't older, it could be a three-year-old. But if your hay isn't great, that's an additional gap that we end up filling with some of these products. Oh yeah, that's a great point. I, I just, ugh, drought. I mean, it's like trying to find hay during massive droughts in the U.S. I remember those years, those dry years, and it's just like you're feeding anything you can find, really, to get that yep. fiber, right? Yeah. And you know, in those situations, sometimes we end up feeding more of those high fiber products and a little bit less hay. It's nice to keep, even if the quality isn't great, as long as it's safe. You know, it's free of mold. It was put upright, Mm. those things. It keeps long stem fiber in the diet, which we talked about being important, but we bring in another source to get that good quality fiber. So kind of coming back to, it's all about balance with the horse. And there's these multiple factors coming in. And it even goes back to our last podcast. You asked a little bit about that range Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. the, the minimum amount of product, like concentrate you have to feed when you have good quality hay, way different when you have that stemmy stuff that just isn't providing as much to the diet. And in both cases, you might be feeding 20 pounds with the horse gets something very different out of 20 pounds of each of those types of hay. Absolutely. 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 I I guess the, the, the final question to kind of tie this, this one up is determining when your horse needs extra nutrients or when you're not feeding them enough, you know, determining that you're right, just, Hey, they, they look thin, not healthy. So do you want to just kind of quickly talk about the tribute wellness system you know, what that is and and how to use it? Sure. So this is available on our website and also some nice kind of booklets that are printed out as well. But what the Tribute Wellness System does is it kind of separates out a couple visual indicators of the horse's nutrition. So the first one is the Henneke body condition score. So that's looking at basically fat over the ribs. How well are the ribs covered? Because that's a good energy indicator. Is my horse eating enough calories? That is the only nutrient that 
I can look at a horse and say, yes, it's getting enough. No, it is not getting enough. There are some other indicators where I could say, ah, I think maybe we're short there, but I can never look at your horse and say, you know, he's only getting 72% of his lysine requirement, but I can tell yeah. you yes yeah. or no, too many calories. So right. we start with the body condition scoring system. Listeners are probably pretty familiar with it. It's from one to nine. One is extremely emaciated. Nine is so fat. You can't even tell there's bones under there because <laughs> there's just so much fat cover. Yes. You know, healthy yeah. is somewhere in the middle. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, between four and six, it differs a little bit depending on breed and the type of job they do. So, you know, a really fit racehorse is going to be a four. You can definitely see a little bit of rib, but that horse is super fit. Whereas maybe in some of our more ring type disciplines, you want to see a little bit more cover and they might trend towards a six, but a body condition score of five is when you can easily feel, but not easily see their ribs. So that's the first thing we look at. And you know, if your horse is too thin, okay, he's not getting enough calories. We need to address that. If he's too fat, he's getting too many, but that's just the largest macronutrient, right? Energy that doesn't give us an idea of the rest. So some other things we look at are crest scoring. So if you've ever seen a horse who, if you look along the top of his crest has like this big bulge that comes out and you feel along it, it feels quite a bit different than the rest of his neck. That's what we call a metabolic fat pocket. So that's an indicator, not a guarantee, but an indicator that horse may have or may develop metabolic conditions. So equine metabolic syndrome, insulin resistant, those horses are more prone to laminitis, Cushing's, things like that develop these crests. So the reason we're going to track this is because we're going to make some different decisions on the type of calories in their diet if you have these fat pockets present. And you can actually measure it and track it over time how it changes. But in these horses, we'd want a lower NSC diet. So that's one thing we'd look at to make a decision about the type of energy in their diet. And these are not just a fat horse problem. I've seen horses that are body condition score four with mm -hmm. big metabolic crests. Right, so right. that's something you can track over time. And then the final thing is top line scoring. So we're looking at the longissimus dorsi, which is the muscle that runs across their top line. And that's an indicator of the horse's amino acid status. So crude protein is the big building block of muscle, but horses don't actually absorb protein. They break it up into what are called amino acids. So they chop it up into little pieces. That's what they absorb and utilize. And going back to what's missing in hay, there's certain amino acids that just aren't in hay in great enough quantity. So if a horse isn't receiving enough of those essential amino acids, they tend to have that kind of sunken in look along their top line, especially it'll really stand out when you're like, this horse is in, he's doing the right type of work, right? You know, a horse who's stretching, going over ground poles, he's being hacked up and down hills and he still has no top line. That's mm -hmm. a good indicator that there's a nutritional component to why he's not building a top line. So we have a scoring system for that as well. And when you see that, you want to take a look back at the rest of the diet and say, is there a way I can increase the amino acid status? Maybe I'm not feeding enough of the right product. Maybe this horse has a little bit of additional needs. A uh, good example, I work with a lot of horses right off the track. They're using a part of their body they've never used, right? We're changing their disciplines. I tend to add an extra pound of essential K to support them building that top line during that transitional time. So it kind of just lets you take a bigger picture look at more than just, is my horse eating enough feed, which is what yeah. the body condition yeah. scoring system looks at.
No, that's a good explanation. And again, that just kind of ties it all up on just why hay isn't enough that you have to look at all of these different factors and different nutrients. So yeah, fascinating, fascinating stuff, Nicole. That was awesome. All right. Thanks, Chris. This was fun to chat about and some more things to build on in our future podcasts. Yeah. Yeah. Stay tuned uh, for next week and we'll, we'll have some more awesome uh, nutritional advice.